As a wrestling fan, I always want to give some sort of favoritism to anything that Chris Jericho does. But this new Fozzie album, Boombox, can we possibly say that it's good? You'll find out next, right here on Chris Aiken Presents. It is Chris Aiken Presents, and I, of course, am Chris Aiken. And before I even tell you who the fuck that guy is sitting next to me here, I will tell you to do all the podcasty shit, please. Make sure you subscribe, notification bell, comment, blah, blah, blah. Thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever. Do that stuff so that we know that you love us, okay? And a guy that's in desperate need of love constantly is my co-host today, Mr. John Drake from the Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast podcast. So what is up, sir? Not too much, man. Ready to actually not talk some Dream Theater today. I'm looking forward to it. That seems like a theme on your show, isn't it now? I thought you guys quit talking Dream Theater now. Mind crime and now other stuff coming. What the hell? Well, you know, we're branching out a little bit. It's, you know, eventually you're going to run out of strictly 100% Dream Theater topics. So, you know, figure start branching out a little bit and kind of, you know, expose people to some other sides of some things that we like. So, yeah, not always Dream Theater all the time. Well, you could break each song down into about six episodes like they do with their songs. You know, we could talk about the first stanza. It's 18 minutes of Octavarium, you know. <clears throat> It, no, <laughs> I, I have to. I have to take this shit from a guy who's online defending the reload record right now. Seriously, guy whose favorite record of the year right now is Kid Rock. So bring it on. <laughs> Fucking terrible. <laughs> Fucking terrible. Oh. Well, speaking of fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, let's get into our topic today. Maybe it's not terrible. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm being a little harsh here. Our topic, of course, is Fozzie's new album, Boombox. Now, I'll just be honest here. I specifically asked you to come on and review this with me for one reason. Because I knew you didn't know dick about Fozzie. That yeah. was 1,000% my reason was to get <laughs> fresh ears on this thing. Okay. Because I know for me, I am such a wrestling honk that I'm either going to be super positive or super negative to anything that Chris Jericho does. And I'm super, you know, I'm, I'm an AEW guy too, which is, you know, his kingdom right now. Yeah. So because of all that, I wanted to get somebody impartial. So I went to the guy that a, I knew wouldn't know much about Fozzie and B doesn't really watch AEW all the time to get like a fair assessment of this record, because I have an assessment and, I want to make sure that it's not just me being, you know, biased in any direction for this. So, <laughs> so you have listened to the record, I'm assuming? I have. And you made it through. That's a good step, I guess. I did. I, I made it through <laughs> almost all of it last night on the way home from work, and then I, I finished off the last two songs this morning. So, All right. So we'll start with you before we get to me. What is your assessment of Fozzie Boombox? Um... So, as you said, I'm not overly familiar with Fozzie. Okay. But I am reasonably familiar enough to know that this is not a standard-sounding record for them. 
Okay. So immediately I was like, all right, what's this electronic shit? So, and the super layered vocals with like constant harmonies. And, you know, I believe on the CMS, you guys call it the fucky effect. Right. Some kind of fucky effect on it. Um, and so I was like, okay, what the heck? Like, all right, is, there's elements of EDM or something in here. There's, you know, I mean, the cover they chose to put on there was Relax. Um, yeah. And, and so I was listening to it. I'm like, okay, like, it's got a cool groove to a lot of the stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, it, to me, it's just kind of there. Like, I couldn't really tell you anything that really stood out except for the lyrics were kind of really cringeworthy in a few spots. And, <laughs> um, I mean, but the, I mean, from what I have heard of Fozzie, that's kind of par for the course. I mean, yeah. Jericho's a wrestler. He's not, he's a singer technically in Fozzie, but it's not, you know, his first, you know, area of focus. So, I mean, it grooved and it was like, I wasn't like, get this off my goddamn stereo. It was, right. it was like, okay, it was, it's just kind of there. And, but, but again, it's one of those sounds that I'm like, okay, why did you get away from just being like a straight up rock band? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, why, why are you making this change to this type of a crossover metal crossover, new metal E type of a sound? Like what, what is that about? And especially at a time that was interesting to me, because, you know, Jericho is going back and forth, you know, on social media, him and Sebastian Bach are in a pissing yeah. contest about bands using True. tracks, not using tracks. You can't play this shit live without a shitload of tracks. Right. Because there's too much electronics in there. There's too many vocals in there. You know, there's too many effects. So it's like, if why battle somebody over tracks? And granted, Jericho's like, oh, everybody does it. But yours is like slathered in it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just not a good look. I mean, it's okay. I don't hate it, but no nothing stood out to me. I was like, all right, well. You know, cool. Yeah. I heard it once. Don't need to hear it again. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, will you even remember a single song on this thing like three months from now? <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's it's less than twenty four hours in. I've listened to it's fresh in my ears, and I don't right. remember anything. Right. Other than other than relax, which we will get to. Yeah. But uh, but <laughs> but yeah, other than that one song, which is um, you know, memorable. You know, re regardless of if you like the original or hate the original, you remember the original. Yeah. So, of course, you'll remember this version of it. But, oh, yeah, I, I mean, I listened to this thing and I just was, just was like, ugh, what direct, and I, I, I'll be fair. I, I think Jericho is awesome. I really, really am a big fan of Chris Jericho as a wrestler. Yeah. As a wrestler. I think he can do just about no wrong, although his gimmick right now on AEW should be flushed right down the fucking toilet. <laughs> it is fucking awful. Right. Worst gimmick of his career. Doing, I don't know if you've seen it. He's being now. He is the leader of a group of sports entertainers, basically, and, and he hates all quote-unquote wrestlers. So basically, his gimmick is he's making fun of the WWE. He's, okay. he, he's the Roman Reigns. He's got four stooges around him, just mouthpiecing and being stooges around him. <laughs> okay. You know, because they're not as good as the sports entertainer that they are. He started calling himself the wizard because in one of his backstage segments, he did the old cane thing and blew fire in somebody's face. Okay. You know, yeah. literally. So now he's a wizard, you know. <laughs> And he calls himself the wizard. Dude, it's so bad that they're calling the audience the AEW Galaxy. 
Really? <laughs> it's so bad. Wow. <laughs> okay. It All is right. so bad and such a horrendous ripoff. And maybe that's why he's doing this with Fozzie too. Maybe that maybe the goal is just to do tired bullshit like he's doing in AEW too. Just to have a whole huh? period of Chris Jericho being tired. <laughs> <laughs> just ripping off other people's stuff and yeah. making a buck. Just and really that's what it feels like. I, I'm with you on this. I don't know why they're leaning so much into this whole new metal. I don't even know that I'd call it new metal. I don't know what I would call this. Just it's it's more electronic. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. was the first word that came to mind when I started listening to it. I was like, yeah. what is all this like industrial, like not like ministry esque, but it's got that sort of undertone to it with like the digital aspects of it, and it's I don't know. It's post op Papa Roach if they had testicular cancer. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's fucking. It's fucking neutered, boring, not terrible. I'm with you. It's not terrible. There's nothing that you'll hear on it. And you'll be like, that's a bad note or that's not well played or whatever. But it, it almost sounds like a hard drive recorded it instead of a band. Well, yeah. And, and the couple times you do get guitar solos. Usually you're like, oh fuck, here we go. Okay, so some yeah. legitimate raw shit, but it sounds out of place. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was like, I mean, the solos are cool, and there's some shred solos and everything, but it's like, man, it's just not. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not real good, and I don't know what's going on with it. And and I mean, I'm a huge fan of Rich Ward, the guitar player. Yeah. I mean, huge. I I loved Stuck Mojo. You know that. I one of my favorite bands of all time. Yep. So to have him doing this tired, and it really started with the last record too, when they did the whole Judas thing, and uh, you know, even that, I know, I know everybody in AEW likes to sing it, and hey, great, got something over, made himself a few bucks with that, but yeah, just I don't know, it's it's all so generic now, and I don't know, it just there's not a song on it that really jumped out at me, and and I was like. Well, at least that's a keeper, or yeah. Well, they could they could work around this song or that song. You know, I I don't know about you, but I did not hear not one song. If if you were a radio guy, did you hear one song that you would that would either make you say, "Well, that's the hit," or "That's the one to avoid"? I say there's not one. I completely agree with you. I mean, th honestly, my over my overarching thought. Um, and this record is it's just kind of there you know yeah. because it's like you get to the chorus you're like all right like you can hum for a second but you're not going to remember it after the song changes yeah you know it's not bad like you know the chorus is there but it's not that monstrous you know big fat you know peanut butter on the roof of your mouth thing that you would expect from a band trying to do this style of music yeah no you're right dude when when i was in the service we used to teach, I, I taught at a, a school called Combat Leadership Course, or CLC, and it was like a pre-ranger thing. And one of the things that, that we did was kind of we starved out everybody, and then they had to find a way to survive, mm -hmm. whether that was eating bugs or whether it was eating um, leaves or whatever the fuck you could find, right? And after about the third day, you were happy to find a nice big worm. <laughs> you were thrilled to eat that fucking, you were thrilled to kill it and fucking eat it because you were fucking hungry. 
and you never talked about it after. You never, you never came back and were like, oh, you know what was the craziest part when we ate that worm? It was kind of everybody's dirty little secret. Yeah. That's how I feel about this record. It's like, yeah, I listened to it. I don't really want to get into telling anybody about it, but it's just kind of there, you know? I, It was nourishment when I had none, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got the video up on the screen right now, and it, yeah. obviously we can't hear the audio. And if I'm just watching this, it's like, okay, these guys are jumping around. They're just, yeah. it's two guys with a guitar, two guitar players, a bass player, drummer, singer. So, and it's very simple, you know, production wise, just TVs like flashing uh -huh. the word run and fuzzy, whatever. Yeah. And maybe maybe they're saying run from Fozzie on this record. Who knows? But um, <laughs> from buying this, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like I'm looking at this thinking, okay, I would expect like a raw five piece rock band just kicking ass right now. Yeah. But you know what you get is all this overwashed, digitized shit that is like you know it's never it, you, if if it sounds like this live, you know it's not m most of it's not live, right. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's what's interesting about that. I mean, it's yeah. Well, ugh. let's play. Let's play a little for the kids here. I I can put up another video. Let me kill that one here. I'll put up um. I'll put up the single. How's that? I'll put up um. What is the single? Scene. Where's scene? The opening track. Opening track. Yeah, the opener. This is this is the one that sucks you in to listen to the whole album. So here we go. Let's get sucked into this. Oh, they're on a they're on a roller coaster. Yeah. How exciting. Is this, is this an analogy for the record? Because he's about to go downhill and the whole record's about to go downhill. <laughs> exactly right. I think there's more excitement from the fucking shaking around than there is from the actual listening to the song. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Like you said, it's yeah. just, it's kind of there. And I hate this. The music bed dropping out to where it's just his, his over-processed voice. So and are you not a fan of that songwriting uh, like tactic in general or just in this particular song? I don't like the I don't like the um, the mix of it at all. Okay, I, I don't mind that songwriting style. I love when like Seven Dust does it and whatnot. I'm fine with that. Okay, because right. Lejean has a big voice. I'm not a fan of it when he does it. I wouldn't be a fan of it if Ozzy did it with his triple tracking. Yeah, you know, well, I, processed voices don't fit in open spaces. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's funny that you mentioned the Ozzy thing because like that's honestly one of one of the. One of the impressions that I have is that the vocals kind of sound like now that Ozzy can't really sing anymore and they've really got to doctor him up on a record to get it, you know, usable. Right. It has it has that sound to it. You know, I immediately thought of like the down to earth record when yeah. the first time I heard it, I was like, it sounded like he had a big glob of phlegm in the back of his throat and they had to <laughs> auto tune the shit out of it and layer it like like, ooh, all right. Right. And, and that's what this sounds like to me. Yeah, it's very Oh, it's very sterile for a rock yeah. record. It's very yes. there's 
you know, the edge of a cue ball type of a type <laughs> yeah. of an analogy, man. There's just no sharpness to it. It's yeah. Blah. And I, I mean, I, I think there, I think there's spots on the record, you know, and maybe this is like songwriter ish, I suppose. And I don't really know my ass from a hole in the ground where that's concerned, but I've written music, plenty of it. Sure. And there's been, you know, there were times on the record where it's like, all right, like here's here's a spot where a really cool change could come in and really kind of like make you have that. Oh, look at listen to that moment. You know, at least we have a few of those on a record. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the later one of the later songs, if it was, I think it was one of the last two, because if I remember right, it was one of the ones I heard today. But. You know, they're riding on one note. I'm like, and then you could tell that a breakdown's coming. And I'm like, all right, this would be perfect to just like either go into some really low note and do like a like a heavy breakdown right. or just put something where there's like a perfect bed for a huge melody there, like some, you know, kind of bridge, some giant bridge or whatever. And it never happened. It just stayed on this one note. I'm like, man, I've already heard this. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it just seems like, you know. It's like, okay, it's kind of, like I say, I hate to reuse my own phrase, but it's kind of just there. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not good. It's like, all right. Yeah. Dude, I'm with you a thousand percent, but the one song we do have to get to, though, we have to talk about the cover. (laughs) Who does the song originally, by the way? Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Okay, that's right. I couldn't remember the name of the band. Which, by the way, they when they came out, it was a double album, and I bought it, and it was total dog shit other than the one song. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, and that should say something right there. I mean, Relax is a huge song. Even you know it, and you don't yeah. know anything about the 80s, really. But you know that song. Yep. Name a one other song. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. You got me. They're right up there with, like, Men Without Hats as far as songs where they had one big one and no second one. Yep. You know, or Dexie's Midnight Runners with Tu Ra Lu Ra A or whatever that song. Come on, Eileen. And they're probably still getting like royalties out the ass to this day. Dude, like- they, pro- they probably are. Dude, <laughs> the funniest thing is Neely and I on the CMS, I don't know, six months ago or a year ago or whatever it was, when we brought up that guy from the, the, the seagull, from Flock of Seagulls that is still out yeah. there touring. Mike, <laughs> Mike Score, I think his name was, or Jim Score, yeah. something, something Score. And um, he's out there touring. What was the second Flock of Seagulls song? No one knows that. Everybody knows I ran because yep. clearly he did. He took his bag of money and he ran so far away. He couldn't get away. <laughs> you know, right. he, he took his cash and ran because there was not a second tune to be heard on that fucking song or that well, album. Vanilla Ice still does those like '90s nostalgia tours, makes a yeah. shitload of money, all because of Ice Ice Baby and Coolio. Yeah, Coolio had what the uh, Gangsta's Paradise. Yep. And did he have another one? I don't think so. <laughs> nope. See, that's yeah. the thing. If you if you don't know, you yeah. who listens to everything, yeah. if you don't know, that's a problem. Yeah. I well, that's it. And and I mean, Fozzy is one of those bands. They have Judas. They've had a couple of other songs that were very, very marginal, but they position themselves to, this is another big problem I have with Fozzie. They position themselves to be heavier than they are. Dude, I saw them at the, at Rock on the Range right in front of Exodus. In front of Exodus. <laughs> well, yeah. in fairness, that's not fair to almost anybody, so. Yeah, you but know, still, I mean, I mean, but why are they even on that show? They shouldn't be on that show. 
They should not be on a show that features Testament and Exodus and Death Angel and Seven Dust. And they should be on a show with Three Days Grace, Chevelle, and maybe Breaking Benjamin. And they could yeah. play the 530 slot. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, no, I, that's I would agree with Fuzzy that. Belongs. They don't belong on metal tours. And yeah. somehow they think that they're a metal band and they're marketed as a metal band. Which leads me back to that all-time metal classic, Relax. <laughs> Why? It's, it's, isn't it like a perfect microcosm of what they're going for on the record? It's like, I mean, because it's not even like, you know, like you'll have other bands that do, you know, like a cover song that is not necessarily in their genre. Right. And yet they'll, play, they'll do it in a rock way and it's cool. The difference with this one is that, you know, this is the type of record they were trying to present. Yeah. So it's like it it fits in too well with the rest of the album. Like the cool yeah. thing <laughs> when you get when you get a cool cover like I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an album that has a cover like that where you're like, holy shit, this is cool. They did such and such song, but they added heavy guitars to it, yada yada. Yeah. Like that's cool because it's like, okay, it's different from the rest of the stuff, but it's kind of in their vein. And it's just, they, they rocked yeah. it up. It's cool. It's heavy. It's whatever. This just sounds like the, like the only way you really know that it's this song is really when you get to the chorus, relax, you know, yeah. like other than that, it really, it might as well have been another cut that they wrote themselves the way they presented it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the weird thing is it's not that different from the original. Which that's sad all by itself because the original was a pop dance tune. Yeah. The original was, was big in the dance clubs. You know? Yep. You got X and you fucked your boyfriend as a guy. That's what you did with their fucking music. <laughs> all right. That was what Frankie Goes to Hollywood was. And now it's like, ugh, now it's got guitars instead of keyboards, but it's the same fucking song. It's like, oh, dude, what is this? You know, I. I I, and it's right in the middle of the record, too. Yeah. And and I know this is dumb because it really doesn't matter in the age of singles. But for me, I'm still a start at the beginning and listen to the end guy, especially when mm -hmm. something's new. Yeah. I got right to that song and, and I was like, okay, I'm out. I was like, push it away. I can't. I can't go further after this. You know, you know and it took me like two, two tries to get further and then the song after it nowhere to run is it's one of the singles it's a bad single so it's like you know it was that one that we had that cool video for with a bad song <laughs> right. bad song cool video yeah it's i mean there's just not a lot here and you mm -hmm. know i mean to your point about the cover it's not very adventurous considering the rest of the music that's around it yeah it's not, it's not like they're doing something completely crazy and you know like you know like t like it's it's not on a record but for example like you know when testament comes out and covers fucking power slave you know that it sounds cool heavy it's in the testament it, the testament sound it's in that vein but it's very different from the rest of what they do you can tell it stands out sure. this version of, this version of relax does not it you know if, if if there's somebody ignorant enough out there to not know the song relax they would not know that that's not a fozzy song that's part of the boombox record Right, sure. No, and you and you're right. When Testament did Sales of Sharon, the Scorpions tune. Yeah. Now that was like, wow, where did yeah. that come from? You know, it was right. like it was an homage to to their history 
or to, you know, to their lineage, I guess, because they were saluting, you know, the greats before them. Yep. And it was very different for them, but it was still sort of testimony enough to where you were like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. There's nothing cool about relax. Nothing. Who wants to pay homage to Frankie goes to Hollywood? See, I don't think their family does. See, I'll, I'll be completely honest. A lot of that 80s stuff, you know, I don't get into. Yeah. But if a band does that song and it's like, I would be into it only because it's got like, like heavy guitars and stuff like that. Like, for example, there's a perfect example. It's like a song that I hate is fucking uh, Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. <laughs> Duran Duran. But there's this band called Amaru. And they do a version of it, and I I can't stop listening to it <laughs> nice. because it's like it's it's done with it's like a, a hard rock band, you know, a pop punk hard rock like new met whatever you want to call it band, sure, doing that song, and I'm like, okay, I can get into this. So like, yeah. I I don't mind when bands do that shit. But yeah, I, I mean, if a band does <sighs> something that's out of their comfort zone and does it and makes it their own, I'm, I'm with you. I'm for that. Like even, and I know I'm going to get killed for this because it's, it's universally a pan song, but I like it anyway. I like jailhouse rock by Motley Crue from theater of pain. I like the way they just kind of took an old Elvis standard, you know, and just kind of put blazing guitar, blazing eighties guitar in the middle of the, well, I mean, it, that's, it's a perfect end to the girls, girls, girls yeah. record too, because except it was it, on theater of pain, but go ahead. No, it was it was oh, on I girls, girls, take, girls. What are we betting? I'm almost positive on this, dude. What are we betting? What are we betting? I'm not betting you. I'm Pick telling a bet you. On, I'll take any bet you want to bet. I'll bet my car to a dollar. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you want to do that, my friend. I think I do. And you're about to feel really stupid when you look up Theater of Pain track 11 is Jailhouse Rock. No, it's not. Or Yes, it is. No, it's not. Well, then I'm wrong. You can have my car. <laughs> there you go, you fucking idiot. I I, knew, I know this because whatever you, you, you <laughs> remember, remember you hate girls, 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 and I love that record. So that is true. I, that so yeah, that's why I wasn't about to take anything from you because that one that's I knew true. I was right. But but no, I agree with I agree with you on that song because it's a it's a fan. First of all, it's a fantastic ending to that record cuz that is their most drugged out fucked up record and the version that they do they are on so much goddamn blow. Yep. You know. <laughs> it's you know cuz the original's like boom boom through the pot and a conch yeah. bam one food pot and a conch and then that chorus comes in it's like holy speed metal. Right. So um <laughs> yeah I, I I'm not I'm not against you on that day. I I think that's a cool version of that song. Yeah. It is a cool version of that song. I, I you know, I, I like when bands take things and make them their own. You know, I, I, I know you're not a Marilyn Manson fan, but I liked his covers. I liked Sweet Dreams. I liked, um, what's the other one that he did? Um, was it Tainted Love or, you know, uh, I don't was know. Was it Tainted Love? I forget what his other cover was. That's how much I liked it. Jesus, I'm talking <laughs> out my ass today. <laughs> right? Hey, Scorp Scorp Scorpions did a cool version of Tainted Love, so we'll just go with that. I like right, their there version. There we go. So. Fine. Yeah. We'll just make up any band. You know who did it? Metallica. <laughs> Metallica does a lot of covers. They probably did it. You know? It was somewhere. It was on Garage Days re 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 revisited. Yeah. Remember that uh, Megadeth cover of the Shania Twain song? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just make up anything. People be scrambling to their fucking Spotify. Shania Twain, Megadeth. <laughs> Getting people to do a bunch of bunk bunk searches on their phones. Yeah. Then we'll get all negative. We'll get ratioed on YouTube. You guys fucking suck telling us <laughs> to go and find that song, you fags. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, but yeah, dude, I'm with you. I mean, to your point, it's this is just it's not it, if they're going to do a cover, that's fine. But this sounds way too much like the rest of the material. It's not taking a chance at all. Yeah, it's just not at all. Yeah. And I think that, that could be the one line review of the whole entire album. Doesn't take a chance. Dot, dot, dot at all yeah apps exclamation well i mean like jericho you can tell he's he's in his easiest singing register for almost the entire record mm -hmm. you know very few times does he go like way up there or you know to try and really get that that high note to really kind of oh you know what the hell is that kind of moment that's right. just you know and again it's I'll be interested to see what they do after this. Like, is this like a new thing? Like they're trying to cross into a new genre or was this just an experiment? Like, okay, like we kind of feel like doing a record like this now back to your normally scheduled programming. Like, see, I don't you know. think so. I think this is part of, I think right now Jericho, he knows he's at the end of his wrestling career and he's really trying to brand up everything. He's trying to make the Jericho brand with the Jericho cruise and the Jericho music and the Jericho wrestling. And, you know, everything now is about, even his gimmick is a brand gimmick. It's not, you know, forever. He's been the king of changing gimmicks. Mm -hmm. Now everything he's doing is leaning toward the brand. Nice, easy to take music that you could probably listen to on the cruise and then show up at six 30 at the middle of the pool for the fucking wrestling match. You know, it, <laughs> right. it, uh, you know, it, it really is all kind of working toward the one big brand. And I guess I don't blame the guy. He knows he knows the end is near. So I guess but I don't blame him. But man, but if you're going to go in a certain direction like this is, I mean, let's I mean, Fozzie's established, like how yeah. successful they are. They're established and they do have a sound, you know, right. if you know of them, you know, like I said, when you're watching that video, you're thinking of like a, a rock band. Right. You know, and you said they're marketed as a metal band, but like they're more like a like a new metal-ish yeah. kind of breaking Benjamin-y type of thing. That's what you yeah. expect. So why now, if you're trying to brand yourself at the end of one career, like why are you gonna make this left turn into something that is not you know, I mean, maybe I'm alone in this, but I would think that a lot of people that are into that breaking Benjamin type of stuff, they don't get as much into the electronic shit. Yeah, probably you know? not. Mm -hmm. So why are you making that decision? Yeah, I don't know. And they're they're like marketed as a radio band that doesn't get radio airplay, and that yeah. that all. But I don't understand that. I honestly, as much as we're banging on this record pretty good right now, every one of these tunes could be on the radio. This yeah, is but for how mindless. long? But it doesn't matter. You could still have four or five hits. You could have four or five top twenty hits, and they would consider it a success. Well, that, because that would be a success, but none of these yeah. songs would get that reception. I mean, yeah. you said it. You said it yourself earlier. Like, where's the hit? It's, yeah. you know, it's the record is just there. It's it's not great. It's not oh. terrible. It's like okay, you know, what, yeah. well, what else you got? You know, I you're agree. not going to turn it off, but you're not going to listen to it again. Yeah, that's it. It's it, it definitely goes to the far reaches of my hard drive. <laughs> It'll be there in case somebody ever requests it somewhere. 
You know, yep. if I'm doing a radio show somewhere and somebody's like, hey, do you got that old scene song by Fozzie? And I'll have to Google because I won't know. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, here it is. The roller coaster video. Oh, wait, that's I do have that right. one. Yeah, yeah I do have that one. Right. I do have that one. Yeah, I, I do. I, honestly, when I watched the videos, I was looking at the drummer because I was wondering, like, is this the guy that quit? Like, I, and then I, I'm like, no. okay, that's him. No, so, it's not. I could swear it is, dude. It looked no, like the guy in the pictures dude, on the Blabbermouth articles. I did his podcast. He did mine. I guarantee you that is not the guy that quit. Okay. He, he did All not right. play. That's Frank Fonsieri that okay. quit. He, and he was the guy that was also in Mojo. And um, this is the new guy, whatever his well, – we won't need to know his name because he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll be leaving before long anyway. But – his name is not Frank Funcier. Yeah, that's it. That's that's who he is. Not the guy from yeah. Mojo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I just wondered if I if I see him in the video, like I'm like, okay, did he, did he play on this record? And was like, I'm not doing this. This I'm not yeah. going this direction. Like maybe that's why he quit. Dude, you know what the worst part about us trashing this record is? I'm interviewing with Billy Gray tomorrow from Fosse. <laughs> 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 chatting with him tomorrow on Toomey. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you're gonna mention this to him. Oh, I just reviewed your new record. I hope he doesn't ask. Do you, do you guys like the record? What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I mean, what answer do you give? I mean, it's like we're not it, I'll it's, tell we're you not, know me. You know me. I'll tell him the truth. Yeah, it but it's like it's I wonder what his reception would be if because it's not like we're okay, we're not saying it's a piece of shit. But no. we're also not saying it's great. But I mean, I wonder how insulting it is to to hear. Well, it's 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 just kind of there. It's it's okay, you know. It's it's all right. It's it's a record. Yeah. I mean, I is that it. worse than it sucks ass? Like, <laughs> I think that's worse. I for I I mean, dude, you were in a band. You put out records. What would have been more more obscene to you if somebody said I fucking hate Current, or if somebody was like, that's eh, all right. I, honestly, for me, it'd be the hate thing. I mean, it really would, because really? I think that's more extreme. Yeah, at least indifference. You know, again, I like, I wouldn't turn this record off, but I wouldn't go looking yeah. for it. But if I'm going to turn a record off and someone's like, yeah, I'm, I'm never listening to your record again because it sucks ass, man. It's a piece of garbage. I'd be like, ooh, I worked hard on that. Oh, no. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm totally the – with everything I do, especially CMS, which gets tons of hate mail as well as, as, well as positive mail, I don't want – I never want to read the positive mail. And I'm telling you that now, fans. Stop sending glowing reviews of how great we are. We're not. So stop such it. A prick. <laughs> you know. Well, and we're not. We're not great. We're just doing to our you. Shit. What, what, we're not great. And even if, no matter how many times people tell me it, it's just if you want me to stop being great. If I allegedly am great, the easiest way to get me to stop is by letting me know it, because then I won't keep trying to be great. So stop it. Tell me I it, suck. It makes you sound like a prick. I'm just going to be honest prick. with you. People enjoy what you do, and for them to say, you don't have to go, shut up, I'm not great. Just go, hey, man, thanks. That's awesome. Appreciate well, that you get do. into it. I always do. I always, dude, you've been with me when people are like, oh, bro, you know, the, the show, and when you said this or that, and I'm always polite, and I'm always like, yeah, 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 and take the fucking picture or whatever. You know, I, I do the things that I'm supposed to do, but, you know, I get more out of the hate than I do out of the, out of the love by a million percent. You know, when somebody says, I fucking hate it, and, I, and then I, I read the next sentence and, you know, and I can tell one of two things. It's either just a hater because usually, usually it's, fu 
you could tell automatically it's a hater if it's like you guys fucking suck you fat fucking faggot you know and it's like okay he just hates but if but if they're like well you guys fucking suck because gene simmons never did this and you said he did and blah 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 blah. fair enough i could take that as like constructive criticism even if it's mean indifference to me is like you know who's gonna who's gonna read my book well, it's not great. It's not bad. You know what that is? A cookbook. Yeah, but okay. I, I get where you're going. <laughs> yeah. But you have to remember that when we're talking about an album or a book saying, yeah, I mean, it's okay. That means they read it. So mm-hmm. that's where it's coming from. What you're talking about, it's you like the hate and everything. You're coming at it from like a radio perspective. And the radio right. perspective is always, you know, People either love it or hate it, and both yeah. of them tune in. The people right. in the middle don't tune in, so it's it's a different comparison, I think. I guess that's probably true. But I would think even with a band like Fozzie, if people are indifferent to it, if people are indifferent to this record, they are not going to the show. I would disagree. You think that somebody that's indifferent to this, to this record would go and see Fozzie as a yes. headliner? As a headliner. Yes, and I, because if you're a fan of this band, well, if you're a I, fan, but I'm not saying as a fan. I'm saying new guy, you who own you who doesn't know their music, and this is the one album that you've heard. You're gonna go and buy a ticket to the show? Okay, no, I I thought you meant like coming from a fan perspective. Is it gonna turn people off? But no, I I would not go buy a, a ticket based on this record. But yeah. if I was if I was considering going to see Fozzie in the past. And this was the first time, like, I'm going to go see Fozzie, and I heard this record, I'd, I would still be open to going because I'd be oh. like, all right, I like all the other stuff, and this stuff doesn't turn me off. It's not like, you know, like, I mean, Dream Theater fans, you know, bring it back to my podcast real quick. Sure. When The Astonishing was put out, there were a ton of Dream Theater fans that would not go see that show because they actively hated the record. Right. Whereas there's records like the self titled album, which is kind of divisive in their catalog and me i don't it, it's not my it's my least favorite dream theater record but when they went on tour it didn't stop me from buying tickets i'm like hell yeah i'm gonna go see dream theater like if i you know if they play one of the ones i really am just in, completely indifferent to i'll go take a piss i'll go grab a beer like right. but i'm still gonna go see the other stuff that interests me it does it's not bad enough to go fuck that i'm not paying for it yeah i don't know i I'm so, and again, I, I guess everybody's a little different with their concert going too. For me, and, yeah. and you've heard me say this a bunch of times, if it's bad, I don't want to waste my time being there. And that's, that's anything. That's, you know, we could get into the whole tracks thing. I'm fine with tracks. I really don't give a shit. If, if my option is to have tracks being played or the David Lee Roth that we saw when we went and saw Van Halen, <laughs> I'll take fucking vocal tracks every goddamn I'll take right. the hologram of David Lee Roth. And I would be fine with that as long as yeah. it's good. I was not fine with what we saw. That was not good. Yeah. I see I'm I'm kind of middle of the road because, you know, doing the cover band thing, we have to use some tracks, but it's not there's no pre recorded vocals, no pre recorded guitars. It's just like horn sections. Like something mm-hmm. you can't get otherwise. You know what I mean? 
And, and the only other way that I'm okay with it, like I, I'm friends with a guy in a band uh, that I used to I used to play for, and he it's like a three piece, and he wants to make more money, so he he plays to tracks, but he makes his own. So when right. you hear like three guitars and there's only one guitar on stage, it's him, all three guitar players. Right. When you hear like four harmony vocals going on, it's him and the bass player actually doing it. So I'm like, okay, they can actually right. play, but in terms of live tracks. For me, it's like I'm okay with a little bit of it. I mean, let's face it: Seven Dust uses tracks. We've sure. never com- we've never fucking complained about that because it it nope. fucking rules. And the rest of it is live. But you know, I so I don't mind the tracks. But you know, bringing it back to Fozzie, this this is a record that needs too many tracks for the songs to oh, yeah. exist. Mm-hmm. You know, the the bands we mentioned. You know, if you're if you're gonna track David Lee Roth, okay, fine. But you don't need tracks to make those fucking songs because Eddie Van Halen, Michael Anthony, Wolfgang Van Halen, who's playing bass, and Alex—they're bringing it live, and yeah, all you're going to get play. is a better vocal performance. You know, same thing yeah. with Seven Dust. Like, if you took those, if you took all that that electronic shit out of there, and you know, whatever, they can still do it. I mean, Morgan may mm-hmm. not be able to scream like that anymore, but that's still going to kick ass. Yeah. This Fozzy record sounds like it wouldn't. There's, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of organic meat on this bone. Well, d- dude, if they played with all tracks on every instrument, it's still lazy and boring. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, in the end, which one of these songs would you care if you heard it live or on tracks? None of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the indictment I have for this album. It wouldn't make a difference. And again, it goes back to what I was saying before. Indifferent is worse. Yeah. I, again, it, I, th- I think indifferent doesn't drive someone away like I hate it drives someone away. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll use Metallica as an example. You know, I won't go see Metallica anymore. I can't stand Lars's drumming, and it, it's it's fucking putrid. And I will not pay money to listen to him absolutely shit all over these classic songs. It's yeah. lazy. It, it's lazy. It's sloppy. It's a millionaire up there getting more fat cat, you know, than he already is. Right. And for what? Like, how much money do you need? Like, have some fucking integrity. And right. I, I can't, I can't do it. I won't go see him. I just and, refuse. And now on top of that, you're gonna see the the mighty Headfield crying during the set. So it's like Jesus God, what is <laughs> going on with those guys? Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's. I I didn't know I didn't know what to think when I saw that. Like I I get it. That's very 2022, but it's, man, it, 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 it's James Headfield. Exactly. That was you know, my thought too. It's not Alanis Morissette for God's sakes. It's James fucking Hetfield, yeah. the most violent singer of all time. In in the heyday, there yep. was nobody more vicious than him, and now he's like, I just am having a moment, guys. Yeah. Ugh, stop Dude, it. I I have stage fright. You'd never know it from watching me. You've seen me play many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't get up on stage and go, I got stage fright. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to be a tough guy, but it's like, dude, at least like play the character on stage. Well, you know what I mean? How, like, how about even more to the point? If you had half a billion with a B in the fucking bank, how about you just say, nah, not gonna play for a year or two or ever? You know, just stop. It's clear. And I know we're veering way off of Fozzie, but I don't give a shit. It's all good. If with with this situation, it's been clear for a while that James doesn't want to do this anymore. It's been clear the whole friends thing that we always goof on. Okay, friends, Metallica (laughs) family, come on up. Oh, there's a nine-year-old in the audience. How special, you know. 
<laughs> that is not the James Hetfield that we grew up on. It's not the James Hetfield we want. We want the guy he's dressing up to be, not the guy he's actually being. You know, he's dressing up to be the biker badass. He's not actually being the biker badass. Yeah. You know, we want the old guy. We want the other guy that that says fuck a lot and looks at the looks around the crowd and finds the one asshole in row double Z sitting down and cusses him out yep. and tells people to pour beer on their head if they don't get up. <laughs> you know, that's the guy we want. Yeah. And if you can't be that guy, then don't be that. That is Metallica's legacy. Even after all the shitty records, that's Metallica's legacy. Yeah. And he has enough money. I, I know what it is. He'll never admit it, but it's, I, I said this, I think, to now Bandy, and I might have said it to you, too. Did you watch those Amazon shows that they did for free? The, the, I think it was over Christmas time. They did these free two free broadcasts. I think it was for the 40th anniversary. Yeah, they, I know exactly they, what you're talking about. Yeah, They put them out, and I watched it, and it was clear. It was crystal clear that Het did not want to be there. And at the end of the show... They ran credits, you know, as all shows do. They ran credits. Yeah. And there was quite literally 100 to 200 names on this thing. There was every stagehand. There was every producer and sub-producer and key grip and, you know, trucking guy and bus driver and, you know, techs for every instrument and lighting sub-engineers and, you know, all the shit that comes with being in a in a monster like metallica yeah and i said uh now bandy in i said you know what it is this guy doesn't want to put this many people out of work he's not built for it he's not built to literally fire a company's worth of people based on his yeah. decision so he's gonna go out there and he's gonna trudge out there and he's gonna do something that he hates doing probably until he dies because Lars is never going to quit. Because what's he going to do? He sure as fuck ain't forming another band. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's it's sad, but Het has to, just, at some point, he's got to step down. He's just got to say, I'm not into it anymore. I want to play shows for 100 people in a fucking saloon somewhere playing acoustic guitar and singing country songs, singing Mama Said. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. And he just won't do it because he doesn't want to fire. He doesn't want to cost so many people that have banked 30, 40 years into Metallica. He doesn't want to be the guy to end it. That's my assumption. And I have nothing to back that, but I know it makes, it makes perfect sense. I mean, there were reports that just, you know, hit, hit the news today about Taylor Hawkins supposedly saying he was done with the massive touring that, you know, Foo Fighters does and that he basically agreed to keep it going. Right. Uh, keep doing it just because he didn't want to fuck over. You know, the machine, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, he, he's Taylor Hawkins. He's, you know, the number two guy in Foo Fighters. He's he's making right. his he's bank. Important. He's got his bank. But, you know, the, the, the roadies and everybody that they employ and whatnot, like they're fucked. If, yeah. if, and he didn't want it. He didn't want to do that. So he's like, all right, I'll, I'll keep trudging right along. So, you know, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, but, I, I mean, get at, it. At, but, dude, at some point you got to be you got to look out for number one before you well, look out for number two and three and four and five. It's, it's exactly like you and I have talked about on many occasions. Like, at what point does your legacy become, you know, important yeah. enough to you to where you make that selfish decision? You know, it's, you mm -hmm. know, we talk, we talk about, I mean, hell, Dave Mustaine, 
he sounds like ass warmed over anymore. I mean, granted, he had throat yeah. cancer, but let's be honest, he sounded like shit for a good decade before that. Mm-hmm. You know, he shot uh, David Lee Roth, Don Dockin, Stephen yeah. Piercy, Vince Neal. Like, these guys go out there and they're an absolute shell at best of what mm-hmm. they were, and yet they're collecting the money. And the outlook is, well, fuck it, I'm getting paid. Like, okay, yeah. you're getting paid. Like, I mean, Ozzy, at, w- at what point does it start to, like, hurt you that you were known as this roaring lion of a legend and yeah. now you're just this broken down old man yeah now you're a bumbling fool yeah i mean at what point does that matter i mean but as we've said many times it's the ego that's involved dude yeah i'm curious what you think of this would hetfield still be doing this if his vocals were akin to lars's playing not not even close because he would have quit Oh, but yeah, yeah, because because the whole thing that is behind all this, and you know, it's why he had his moment on stage and stuff. Yeah. He's got, he's always had this insane lack of self-esteem, which is nuts. But you know. well, I mean, dude, it happens. You know, like I say, like I'm not Hetfield, so I'm not making this comparison. Sure, Anybody sure, listening, sure. but you, you've seen me play. I look mm-hmm. confident on stage, really confident. Yeah. But I'm scared shitless every second that I'm up there. So you can play the part. It doesn't mean that it's exactly how you're feeling all the way through. Right. So with a guy, I, I and dude, I get it with him in that respect. Having no self esteem, what you're doing, it, it you know, if, I have the stage fright. If I started sounding like shit, the second I knew that I could not go up there and fucking nail it, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm not doing it because right. I because my ego wouldn't be able to handle the people looking at you from the crowd going, mm, boy, he's not what he used to be. Like. There's no way that someone with a fragile ego or low self-esteem can handle that. Which Especially is probably on the why level he, of, and it's probably why he can't quit. Because now now you got to turn it the other way. In order for him to do it that way now, he's got to look people in the eye who he's been, you know, side by side with when they had kids, when they got married, you know, their kids graduated high school together or fucking you know, they've been friends for 35 years. They've probably done some Christmases and Easter's together because they were all on the road together. So now he's got to literally fuck over his friends. Yeah. To walk away. I mean, it's a tough decision. I, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to say it's an easy decision. It just seems to me like it. Het needs to treat it like a business decision. And it's a business decision where the fucking the wagon only has three wheels that work anymore, or really two. You know, two. You have and they're and they're replacement players. So, you know, the two the two stabilizers of the band. Neither one of them's any good anymore. Hetfield can still sing, man. I mean, he can sing. Well, and he can still play guitar. But if he but if yeah. he's broken in his head, then what good is that? Part of Metallica. See, this has been my argument about Metallica since like 2002. They lost that steam, that fire. Did you ever see them in the day, like in the heyday? No. In the early 90s or the 80s? The only time I ever saw them was New Year's Day of 2000. With Seven Dust, Kid Rock. Yeah. You were there yeah. for Kid Rock. Look at that. <laughs> this PA <laughs> could suck my dick. <laughs> that was great. It was. But but dude, to see them in the day, in the in the real day of Metallica, yeah, there was no band. I don't care who you name, Exodus, Slayer, Pantera, 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 not even close, not even close. Fuck off, really, dude. 
There was nothing like that. There was the intensity level. And I'm telling you, Hetfield would not tolerate anybody, anybody in the room sitting down. He would be, he would jump off the stage and run up into the fucking crowd. Be like, what are you fucking doing? Get up. You know, I mean, that was <laughs> yeah. him. They were so goddamn violent and so goddamn vicious. And, and even on like or the, the box set, Binge, Binge and yeah. Purge, mm -hmm. when you watch some of that, when you watch the Injustice Binge, you just see them on all cylinders, just hammering. And there's no stopping that machine. When you see these videos now that are all over YouTube of them in Lisbon in 2018 or whatever. Yeah. It's not, it's like you're watching a different band. Yeah. It really does. You know, they got all the stuff. They got all the, and that's always a sign to me that a band is going downhill. The more stuff they put on stage means the less stuff they have themselves. Right. So Metallica at this point has a goddamn skyscraper of a stage set. Yeah. Because they're lacking in tools that the four guys have. So they have to make up for it, for it with bigger videos and, you know, those big old blocks that they had on the last tour with the, you know, and drones that were simulating moths into the flame and all that other bullshit that they were doing. Yep. More and more bullshit to hide the fact that they're not very good anymore. And you know me, dude. Metallica, my number two band ever behind Pantera, Pantera then Metallica. And then everybody else, really, by a lot. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, I I love Metallica. I loved them in the heyday, and I give them much more leeway than I think most people do. As we argued on Facebook earlier today, I yeah. give them way <laughs> more leeway than than people people tend to give them. And that being said, I wish they would just stop, because I hate seeing. They don't make the kind of music that you can settle into old age with. You know, the Rolling yeah. Stones have been a, because people always say, well, the, the Rolling Stones are the who. That kind of music was sort of written to be timeless. To age well. To It did. I mean, dude, I can't get no satisfaction. Sounds as good today as it did in 1960-whatever yeah. when it was released. And I should rephrase, to age with the band members well. Yeah. Because but, but, but the, the first five Metallica records age, the, that's, oh, those yeah. are timeless metal records. But to your point, are they going to be able to be doing Fight Fire with Fire when they're 72 years old? <laughs> when they're know, 72, like... they can't do it now. When they do it, you got Lars doing his gallop beats to it instead of actual beats, you know, the actual beats of the song. Instead, he's doing fucking his best Iron Maiden impression because that's the best he can do now, you know, and you got Robert. Yeah. I don't know what Robert's doing, but he's doing some kind of spider walk around the stage while he's playing it. Not that he's not good at playing it, but he looks kind of weird when he's playing it. It's slowed down. It's down tuned, you know, it. It's not the same tune. It's slow. And that's what has always bugged me about Metallica the last 10, 15 years. They've slowed down all the fast songs. Uh, it's just all. See, this is this is the Hetfield discussion, that, the, the part of it that sucks. Mm -hmm. And I don't give a shit if I catch crap for it. It's all Lars. I mean, we saw that show in Germany, that festival they did when Lars got sick right before the show and couldn't do it. And yeah. they bring out like Joey Jordison and Dave Lombardo. 
And dude, I mean, and it's it's perfectly to your point too. If you look up videos and you look at the look on Hetfield's face when they're playing with these guys that can actually yeah. play drums and play metal drums, like Hetfield was in his, back in his fucking element. Sure, you could tell he was happy. He's like, "This is what the songs I wrote are supposed to sound like." Yeah. And they have it for years because Lars decided he wants to be fucking Phil Rudd. And oh, it's about the <laughs> it's about the feel instead of the fills. No, it's not, you fucking twerp. You're yeah. fucking Metallica. You're yeah. not fucking ACDC. Yeah. Stop it. If you want to be ACDC, go do a side project. Go do your Lulu shit and your stupid art and whatever. But and you know, when you're in Metallica, we want to hear fucking thrash metal. We want to hear fucking Ride the Lightning. We want to hear fucking All Nightmare Long. We want to hear fucking Blackened. We want to hear, you know, yeah. No Remorse. Like, Spit not this. out the bone. <laughs> yeah. Like, enough. With, God, every time this guy's name comes up, I end up yelling. It's because it, <laughs> because it fucking sucks. Because, like, I mean, Kirk, Kirk is kind of sloppy anymore, granted. But Robert Trujillo is a great bass player. Sure. And, you know. Crab walk notwithstanding, I agree with you. Looks a little wonky, but that's his thing. And Hetfield can still play the parts. He can still sing the parts. I mean, he doesn't have all the growl to him, but he's not. They're only tuned down a half step. It's not like, you know, Megadeth's like at least a step, maybe a step and a half. You know, it, it, they can bring it minus Lars. The guy doesn't yeah. give a fuck, and he's destroying this fucking yeah. band. Honestly, well, I really I think that's where why Hetfield doesn't want to do it anymore. He's tired of listening to Lars just fart on the drum kit all night long. Yeah, and he's probably afraid to say anything now because of the debacle that was the St. Anger, some kind of monster thing. You know, now there's a camera on him at all times. It's like, I mean, that's, and that's a problem too. Is it me or are we, as much as I love that band, are we, are we seeing too much of them? Dude, every fucking week there's a new concert released on YouTube, there's, there's video, there's the backstage, there's the rehearsal jam before the show. It's like, enough, let them, let them be the Metallica for two and a half hours and then be James Hetfield dad the rest of the time. Yeah. You um, know, I mean, constantly we're looking at them. I'm a total behind-the-scenes freak for anything that I'm into. Me too. So I love it, but I think I would side with you in that you know, I mean, like, you know, Dream Theater, I do the show, I do the podcast about Dream Theater, and mm -hmm. they're very prolific, you know, I mean, they, they, over half of their studio albums, they've got a live release for, you know, sure. and, and not a lot of bands do that, um, and, and yeah, they put and Iron out, Maiden. yeah, ex ex you're, you're not kidding, man, and, you know, but they'll put out stuff on their website, and, you know, here's a couple minute snippet of us doing this, like, here's, you know, some some writing logs or whatever. They did videos for the distant, uh, Distance Over Time record of them in the studio and shit like that. Right. And it was cool, because you're like, it leaves you wanting more, but you're getting some of that insider access. Like, you feel like, oh, they give a shit about me as a fan. Whereas the Metallica thing, yeah, like, okay, do I need to see you fucking around playing the blues for a half hour? You know, in in your, you know, you're so loaded that your your rehearsal space back, your temporary rehearsal st space backstage at your show is better than, you know, almost any band on the planet's actual, like, you know, house. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I mean, it, 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 I think it might be a little bit of overkill. You know, there's, well, there, and there, I even there's think no mystique to it. There's not. And I think even the concert thing now. Why go to a Metallica show now? There's 300 fucking shows on YouTube. Yeah. Like yeah. professionally shot, not not some asshole with his with his camera up. 
you know, and maybe that's what Metallica is trying to do is get rid of the camera people by just having pro quality of every show out there. But dude, at some point it's overkill. It's, it's too much. It's too. And this is coming from somebody that loves them, loves them to death. But I was in the Metallica fan club, the so what club. And I was in the, I, I got the fan can at one point, the little paint can that came yep. with, with the singles of, of different music and stuff in it. I mean, I was into, I was that far in. I had a pair of Metallica sweats at one point. No bullshit. I had this right. pair of sweats and Metallica down the side of them. I was as all in as you get. Yep. And, and now it's like, if I see Metallica, like come through my feed on YouTube, I don't stop to even watch it now because I, yeah, I'm the same way. It's just like, pfft, whatever, you know, it's like, all right, what am I going to hear? The same bad version of For Whom the Bell Tolls, you know, with the with the long intro and Lars fucking sloppily playing the the drums. Nah. Yeah. Well, it's and, like yeah, it's like a couple weeks ago I was going through YouTube and going down the rabbit hole, and God, the show was like from '93 because oh. Jason had just cut his hair short. Okay. And I, I want to say it was like somewhere in California, maybe. Mountain okay. View, California, I think, something like that. But anyway, yeah, Shoreline, they get Shoreline into, Amphitheater, and Mountain View. It, I think that's, I think that's it. And it was, you know, it was mostly professionally recorded, so it's pretty damn good sound. But it's got some good low end to it, which that to me is what I want. You sure. Know? And man, they go into the thing that should not be, and you're just like you're sit. I'm sitting there like fuck every other band, fuck every other band, like fuck Slayer, <laughs> fuck Machine Head, fuck Pantera. Yeah. Nothing is as fucking heavy as this. You know, I mean, it's so heavy that Newstead is like just like on his side, like with the headstock of his base on the ground, going oh go 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 go, like yeah. And 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 with that low end in that massive stadium, you're just like holy mother of God! And like, where is that now? Yeah, it's not you know, there. It's, yeah, dude. When I saw Day on the Green, ninety one, I think it was October the twelfth, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's either September 12th or October 12th. I forget which one it was. I'll go look at the poster later, which I do have here in my house. <laughs> nice. But greatest show of all time. And specifically, it was Metallica. I mean, it was a great show. It was, you know, Queensryche, Faith No More, Soundgarden, and um, Metallica. All of them. All of them at their pinnacles. You know, Queensryche was on Empire, beginning yep. of the Empire tour. Faith No More was between... Real thing and um, Angel Dust and Soundgarden was on Bad Motorfinger. So, I mean, literally, they're all at the absolute height of their careers. Yeah. And those three bands couldn't hold a candle to Metallica's first San Francisco show for the Black Album. It was fucking ridiculous. Fucking Oakland Stadium. They just fenced off the infield. They just put a, a big old a big old fence and a lot of security around the infield because they couldn't have it tore up for the A's games. Yeah. And then the entire rest of the the entire outfield was a monstrous mosh pit and the stage. And it was I've never been beaten so bad in my life in the mosh pit. <laughs> I mean, dude, no lie. I came home. I came home. I got home at like 3:30 in the morning or whatever from the show took off my shirt went to get into bed and and my ex was like what the fuck happened to you and i was like what are you talking about and she's like go in the bathroom and look in the mirror at your back 
I go in the bathroom and it looked like I was still wearing a shirt because <laughs> I was so fucking black and blue right. from getting a beating in the mosh pit, man. I mean, I was just completely pulverized. And you know what? I loved every bit of it. Yep. I loved every bit of the soreness that took two and a half weeks to get rid of. I couldn't have been more thrilled the next day trying to do push-ups for the army. And the backs of my arms were so beat to shit from, <laughs> from, <laughs> from the mosh pit. <laughs> it, was, it was a terrible week after it, but man, was it fun. And Metallica themselves, just fucking vicious, dude. Two and a half hours, played a good portion of the Black Album, but played with the intensity and the precision, the intensity of the old school with the precision that they gained recording the Black Album. With Bob Rock, yeah. It was intense. Dude, even the band says that that was like the show for them. You know, I, I saw Toomey's interview with um, with Newstead a couple months ago, and, and he asked him about what his favorite show was. First thing he said was Day in the Green. And I was like, yep, goddamn right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll never touch that again, dude. And I, I think that day is – and that, that goes to my point that I was trying to make before. This is not music that can age. It's already aged out. They're still doing it. They're doing it for a younger crowd because the guys that are my age that were there in the heyday were too old to fucking do that shit. Tell you now, I ain't going to Metallica show unless I got a seat. I ain't standing <laughs> in the mosh pit. Fuck that. Right. You know, so they're playing it for an audience that doesn't even know of the time that they were good. They think this is good. That's the weird thing about it. Now, those kids today think what they're getting is, is great. And I guess that is a testament to how much better they are still to everybody else. But yeah, I mean the the music the music lasts. The but, music you does, know, but the performance doesn't. Yeah, but you know, I mean, how many people of our age, you know, and you're what six or seven years older than me, if I'm remembering right? You know, you're 53. early. Fifth. Yeah, so you're seven years older than I am, and. You know, I was 15 when the Black Album came out. I was 12 when Injustice for All came out. And, you know, so you were, you know, 19 yeah. and 22. Kids. So it's like yeah. it was right at that time, right in our wheelhouse, where our mm -hmm. energy was just, you know, through the fucking roof. And there was nothing else like it. Yeah. You know, I mean, right now these kids are like, oh, yeah, Metallica's great. And, you know... I've met a lot of younger Metallica fans and their favorite records are not from the first five albums. Oh no. They're you, like, yeah, it's load. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, Oh man, death magnetic is the shit, you know, or yeah. hardwire is my favorite. And you know, yet people of our age, it's always, you know, okay. First it comes four, down maybe five. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I mean, dude, we're talking about doing a Metallica deep dive on our show and, yeah. and fans got all kinds of riled up. You need to, you need to do, you need to do a cage match between and justice for all and master of puppets. And I was like, Holy shit. How do you do that? Like do a deep dive into ride the lightning. Like, you know, people get all kinds of fired up over those Hell first yeah. records, man. It's like, but kids that are younger, they didn't ever, they weren't even alive when Metallica was yeah. doing that raging ass kicking stuff, even in like the early nineties, mm -hmm. you know, on the black album tour. So they just yeah. don't know. They just know Metallica as the biggest band on the planet. They know don't that, know you know, why. one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because yeah, they, the, the they thing, look at them the way we look at like the Beatles, 
we know that the Beatles are like the biggest band of all time. Not so sure why. Well, honestly, I can tell. I can tell you why. Like this is the one difference songs we know. But the thing about Metallica was, I mean, it was it was the first metal. It was the first you know metal band here in America. Really, you know, they started the whole. You know, you know they yeah, were the genesis. Okay, I know but, this. I'm saying but, the kids today don't know this. But what I'm saying is, like, you, you ask why the Beatles are the greatest ever. The Beatles, you think songwriting. You know, all these bands, like, you know, you think Led Zeppelin, you think, oh, man, the songs are so great. You know, and then you'll hear about these, like, long-ass performances. That's cool. But the mm -hmm. thing that was different about Metallica is that, you know, they were known equally for their stage presence and just, yeah. the, you know, ferocity and, you know alcoholica like it wasn't i mean the songs were fucking great but it was a package deal that most bands never ever have you mm -hmm. know like you love pantera pantera was one of those bands that's known for yeah. you know holy god like yeah the music kicks ass but jesus christ they rip your face off live you know yeah. not a lot of bands live or persona wise get to that level to where you know what they do is you know on stage and off is almost as legendary as the music that they sure. write and mm -hmm. metallica metallica is is might be the example of that band that yeah. you know you you when you think of metallica especially for people like us you think of the day on the green i think of like the the, the seattle 89 show sure. you know that's legendary so mm -hmm. but these kids they know Metallica's, oh, they're the biggest band on the planet because, you know, my dad likes them and, you know, yeah. they've got Enter Sandman and stuff like that. But they, that's why they can tolerate the later records more than we can. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they weren't there right. to know that these records are just records. They're yeah. not an experience like Metallica was yeah. for the first, like, 14 years of their career. Well, and, and that's what it is, too, is, and especially the two that you named, Pantera and Metallica, they were lifestyle. They were not... Yes, Bands. perfect word. They were, if Metallica was coming to town, for me anyway, if Metallica was coming wherever I was, even in the days that I saw them when they were opening for bands, when they were opening for Ozzy and whatnot, if Metallica was coming, that was a few-day plan. That was not, all right, well, if I get off work early, I'm going to go to the Metallica show. That was tickets were bought the day they went on sale. Beer was bought the week before to make sure we had it. <laughs> you know, everything was planned out, and it was an event. Metallica's playing at 7.30. All right, I'll be in the Coliseum parking lot at 3 o'clock. Yep. Drinking my face off, smoking pot, and getting ready for some fucking Metallica. Yep. You know, it was a lifestyle. And you would get there, and every goddamn car had their windows open and full blast Metallica blasting in every card you'd walk over to somebody and they'd hand you a beer and you would tell your stories and they would tell theirs and that's how it was same with pantera i mean dude we had the lifestyle me and you had the lifestyle moment of lifestyle moments with that record exchange um <laughs> mean <laughs> yeah. that i did yep that was a lifestyle thing that was three thousand people when we expected a hundred showing up full force ready to rock and, and I mean, everybody was in, nobody was fighting, nobody was going crazy, everybody was getting hammered, having a great time, waiting for Pantera to show up. And then when they finally did, eight hours later, whatever it was, you know, <laughs> whenever they did finally show up, everybody was happy, except yeah. asshole Rex Brown. But whatever. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
Nice. Everybody else was. There. Oh, everybody else was so happy, and the band couldn't have been happier to see everybody. And you know, Dimebag was in full Dimebag mode, and Vinny was in full Vinny mode, and everybody has a, everybody that was at that event has a story about that event. You do. I, you lost the I, job. I'm looking over my computer right now at the music's bottom line that they signed that day. It's yellowed as shit, yeah. but it's it's there. And Daryl signed, uh, Dimebag signed it. Daryl says hi, but he spelled the H I G H. But but so, I mean, how fun was it? And and you lost yeah. your job delivering yep. pizzas to us, yeah, and hanging out. And and I mean, everything was a story, and that was, yep. that's what. It's so missing. You know, I talk to younger kids now and they're like, oh, you know who was a great old band? Black Veil Brides. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's not an old band. It's not a great band. It's just a band. Yeah. But the but the the bar has been changed so much now. You know, I mean, what are the great bands today? Who are the great ones? Uh, um. Is there anybody with that kind of intensity of Metallica, Pantera, Anthrax, Slayer, Marilyn Manson? I mean, I mean, I think Manson was probably the last era. I mean, there's bands that sell records like you know Shine Down and Five Finger Death Punch, but they're just—it's not anything like it was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you it, know anybody that's like making an event to travel around to see Five Finger Death Punch? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean that, that stuff doesn't that stuff doesn't even happen anymore because it's not yeah. like you know. I mean, back back then it was like because like you you use the perfect word lifestyle mm -hmm. because back then it's like you were part of a club. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was it was your fucking thing. Like you know, it was metal up your ass. Mm -hmm. You know, it was cowboys from hell. Um, you know, it's it 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 was, it was your thing. Social and it was our thing. Yeah, it was you against the world, man. It was yeah. like, you know, oh, you know, the PMRC is putting labels on records because they say fuck or whatever, you know, and right. the Slayer records had, you know, gory shit on the cover or whatever, like, you know, and, and it was now it's just not the same. It doesn't right. exist anymore. Like, you know, and I, I, I think it's just because, man, like. I, I don't I, I don't I don't know why it is. It's just it's fucking different and it, it's it's weird for me as I'm sure it is for you because like I still go to shows and I still get into shows like that. Sure. You know, like make fun of me all you want for that that, that scene in Oshkosh in yeah. twenty thirteen where I was like crying during Van Halen, but it was oh, like yeah. you know, I knocked over chairs, head banging to unchained, like but I was doing that because like the music still fucking means that much to me. And sure. I'm still into it that much. I'm you know, I'm passionate about it. I love it. And Eddie Van Halen changed my fucking life. And every time I saw him, even if it was two thousand thirteen Eddie Van Halen and not like, you know, nineteen eighty two Eddie Van Halen or whatever, it was Eddie Van fucking Halen, like and it meant something to me. And if, sure. if music, it's just, you know, maybe it's a product of music being considered disposable anymore with digital downloading and all that shit, but it's not the fucking same. Like, you know, you don't have fan clubs of bands. You don't have people huh. waiting in line to buy physical tickets overnight in the freezing cold, you know, for a band, you know, it's going to sell out and you're, you're, you know, freezing your nuts off in 20 degree weather to just to buy, you know, nosebleed yeah. tickets. No, that doesn't happen anymore. You don't fucking have it. I mean, dude... Stuff is even even back with you know the black album, 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and you de- dealt with this earlier, you know, midnight record releases. And, and you get like hundreds of people out there like it's a fucking concert, but it's just to buy the new record like yeah. the first second you can buy it. Like that doesn't exist anymore. No, dude. Because I, the I climate remember. has changed. It. I, and, it, and I think the re- and that doesn't breed bands that right. have that same energy because I think, you know, people just look at it and go, well, if I'm going to put forth all this energy, where where's the return? Yeah, and it, it's sad, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and dude, it's ironic you bring up the um, the record release parties because I'm I'm thinking through this in my head. Every record release party that I ever went to, and I haven't been to one in years, so this was more when I was young. Yeah. But every single one of them that I went to, the band is still in business today. Other than Pantera, that has dead guys. Yeah. All the other bands. You know the record releases that I went, and I and I never was that guy. I would, and and I'll, I'll tell you straight up, for the very most part, I was like, "Fuck standing in line, I'll just get it tomorrow." You know, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, right. I was always that guy. I I just didn't want to stand out in line. But sure, the one the ones that I went out to were Metallica Black Album, Metallica um, uh, Injustice, Injustice for All, yep, um, Pearl Jam Versus, um. Journey raised on radio. Um, God, now I'm going way back. Um, <laughs> that was '86, wasn't it? It was like '86, yeah. Yep. And um, I'm trying to think if there's oh, and um, G and R, Use Your Illusions. Yeah, okay. We're we're and that's that's about it as far as me for going to midnight sales to get records and and I I could tell you both the G and R and the Metallic. I was living in California at the time and. I got them both from a record store they used to have out there called The Warehouse. And um, I used to work at The Warehouse. That was my part-time job in the military because, of course, the military <laughs> didn't pay me enough to live. But that's <laughs> right. a whole other story. But what I remember most was I got out there at like 8 o'clock. It was no thought at all of – and it wasn't so I could get in line early. It wasn't so I could be first in line. It was get out there, and with what little money that I had, I stopped at the gas station like right before the warehouse, grabbed a sixer, and was like parked my car somewhere close, popped open my trunk so it could be louder, turned the stereo all the way up, and listened to the old music. Yeah. And then when it got to be midnight or 1230 or whatever, when I got my new one, I popped the new one in and then had another crowd of people around me till like 1 in the morning listening to the album and just being like fuck yeah back yeah. to the garden of eden yeah <laughs> you know? sure yeah you know? i miss that man that is it, it's the biggest tragedy of the music business today is that there's so much great music out there but there's so little excitement for any of it yeah and it's very sad man well it's you know, every everything's become watered down, and what you can and can't do, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, shit, dude. I mean, it's it's not the same as music, but you know me, I'm a huge fucking Star Wars nerd, and yeah. you know, people people always like they they, they you know, kind of give me shit because when I'm like, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? I'm like, Revenge of the Sith. They're like, what the fuck, a prequel? But in 2005, you could still do the midnight movie, yeah. And I went to see it with my little brother AJ at midnight, 
and we got there four hours early, same as you were just talking yeah. about, because the entire goddamn parking lot at Cinemark Valley View was full of Star Wars nerds, like cosplaying and lightsaber battling and yeah. shit. It was like I was in my fucking element. Like it wasn't, I wasn't just there to see the movie. Yeah. I was there to experience it with people that loved it like I did. Yeah, lifestyle. You know, go- like we yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm go I'm flying out to goddamn Anaheim next week for a Star Wars convention because there's gonna be fifty thousand super nerds like me, and I'm gonna hang out, get drunk with with nerds because we all love Star Wars. It's like, <laughs> and when do you get to do shit like that anymore? And like you said, like with music, it's just it's not there the only way it's there is with people that still love the stuff you love like yeah you know i'll i'll road trip to go see sons of uh sons of apollo or dream theater with, with hendrickson because you know we like to do that and now we have a dream sure. theater show so we but you know so that's our thing we make a plan for that but to your point there's not 300 people in the parking lot getting drunk and stoned yeah. blasting awake in, you know before the dream theater show it's no, not, not happening and yeah. There's not people doing that for the Greta Van Fleet show, which that's uh, you know a band that sells a lot of you know sure. a lot of seats. And everything they're not doing it for that. They're not doing it for kick-ass bands like Dirty Honey. Unfortunately, no. like Plush yet. You know, I mean, okay. there's so many good bands, but the energy and excitement just isn't there. And it's you know everything has been watered down, and I think a lot of it is because of what you can and can't do. You know, you can't go to a show anymore. Like you, like if you're at the Agora right now and you go to see a band, you can't do what you just said and pop the back and blast the stereo, start drinking oh, no. beer in the parking lot. Like you're fucked. Like you're gonna get arrested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all you're doing is sitting there with people that love the music like you do and having yeah. a good goddamn time. And everything has been curtailed. And so because of that, like it's just things are getting more and more bland. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and and that leads us back to the Fozzie record, Boombox. Yep. I did that. I did that on purpose. That's what happens when you get two podcast hosts together. Yeah. You know how to segue. Right back. Well, we segued right to it. You yep. said the word bland, and I knew where to take it. I, I I could tell you were like, I think we're getting close to the end of this. I'm like, it's time for a segue. Well, there it is. Well. Yep. I don't know. This turned into way more of a Metallica discussion, but that's okay. That's what these that's are right. supposed to be. It's Chris yeah. Aiken presents whatever the fuck I want, I guess. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, to wrap this up, Metallica used to be great. Not so much anymore. Music used to be great. Not so much anymore. And Fozzie has never been great. Certainly not so much anymore. Does that pretty much wrap it up in like three sentences? I would say so. It's nice and concise. Well done, my friend. Well done. It only took us an hour and a half to get there. <laughs> hey, man, you want to come on Chris Aker Presents? I only do like 25 minutes at a pop. Yeah. Sweet. What, what did I say? 10, 15 minutes tops. Yeah. Hour and a half. I was going to say, here we are Here we are with an hour and 10 minutes of bonus time. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, well, obviously, dude, um, I, I certainly appreciate you coming on and um, sure. pl- plug the plug because... For people that are not, and I'll say it, and then you can say it, but for people that are not, that are avoiding the Dream Theater, talking into infinity, a Dream Theater podcast, because they don't like Dream Theater, I'll say it. Watch it anyway. Listen to it anyway. Because they talk, I think every week you talk about something for, usually the first half hour doesn't really get into much Dream Theater. You know, you guys are always talking about other shit, and then you get into Dream Theater, and then it's time to zone out, but that's just me. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, it's a great show, and I enjoy it. And um, tell people where, when, how, blah, blah, blah. Not a problem. Yeah, so like like Aiken said, you know, the first like 10, 15 minutes, we usually kind of bullshit a little bit. And, um, you know, we are branching out a little bit. 
so we're starting to get into you know not only dream theater but also bands that influence dream theater so uh our our most recent episode we actually did an album deep dive which we've done on several dream theater records but we did an album deep dive into queen's reich's absolutely perfect 1988 record operation Mindcrime, so you can yeah. check that out uh we're actually recording tomorrow night uh two nights from now pardon me and we're going to be doing desert island records if you couldn't have when dream and day unite in 1989 you got to pick 10 other records from 1989 so we're going to get into some other bands that way uh but it is a dream theater centric show we are live every other thursday at 7 30 p.m eastern standard time on facebook youtube talking into infinity.com and the cms network.com if you want to find video replays of our show you've got to go to heavy metal television obviously uh you can go to our youtube channel if you'd like you can download audio versions of the podcast uh and we are a very very interactive show we uh the reason we do it live is because we involve the chat so we bring people's comments up we make them part of the discussion they drive the discussion uh occasionally we'll do what we call a fan hangout and we just actually get fans on to co-host yeah. with us and take the conversation anywhere and uh on Saturday, June 25th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Little Birdie told me that we might have Mr. James Labrie from Dream Theater on the show. Wow. We're waiting for final confirmation, but that's what a Little Birdie has told me. So uh, check out the show. Again, it's called Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. And thanks yeah. for having me on here, man. It's always a blast Absolutely. bullshitting with you, man, as always. Hell yeah. And I'd imagine tomorrow on Earth, Thursday, you guys might get a Symphony X review too, right? And that where Hendrickson is right now. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, he's he's out seeing Symphony X, Mr. Michael Romeo. Yeah, my buddy Michael Romeo. He's out there seeing that. So I'd imagine you'll get a review of that great show. So front row balcony. He had front yeah. row balcony. I know. I wanted to go, but I couldn't. <laughs> it was a perfect spot for you. Like I said, you have a seat. Yeah. You have no yeah. obstructed view. Yeah, I know. There it it was perfect, and it was like I, I knew I had to record this, and I knew I had one other thing that I had to do right before this. So I was like, fuck. Well, I feel really bad because he asked me to use that ticket, and I had a work function. So I, I turned him down. I said, I can't do it. And then the work, then function. The work function got canceled yesterday, <laughs> and you're like, hey, do you want to come on the show? I'm like, yeah, I'll come on the show. <laughs> so I really hope somebody used that ticket because otherwise he's going to be like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> you could have hit me up last minute and used the ticket. So, Oh, well, we're recording this Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> hope you've all had a great Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Insert edit. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have that really bad voiceover like, man, we're recording this live on Wednesday. And yeah. we hope you guys are enjoying your Wednesday evening. <laughs> yeah. I heard that Brian was there yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I love when audiobooks do that, but you know. Anyway. Too good. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Um, John, thanks as always for doing this. And for Chris Aiken Presents, I have been Chris Aiken. And guess what, fucks? I will be again tomorrow. Peace. See ya. Hey, everybody, it is Chris Aiken, and guess what, folks? I've got a couple of copies of this bad sucker right here. Call Me Chris, my best-selling book to date, 
it is a uh, it's a stellar book, I think. You know, I, if I can be so bold, it is a stellar book. It is about my time recovering from my burn accident. It is my best reviewed one. It is my best selling book. And I actually found a few copies that are autographed and ready to go. So if you've been waiting for your book, uh, call me, Chris. You wanted it autographed. Now's the time because I don't have many of them. And once they're gone, they're gone. So order it today over at chrisakenbooks.com.